One, two, three, four, five, six. Counting sheep will make you... Come on. I'll just massage your ears. Massage the brains. Right. Shall we start again? I think we should. Oh, no, dos stress. <laughs> Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Katie. And welcome to The Trot Up. This is our first episode. We are excited, nervous. Combination of both, I think. Bit of terrified in there. Um, so what we've done is we, or what we've decided to do is put together an episode to tell you a little bit about us, about what we do, introduce hopefully what this podcast is going to bring. Um, we've put together some questions, so we're going to try and answer those and go from there. Katie, would you like to start? Yes. So, Emily, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you got into your respective field of being a veterinary surgeon? So, I always wanted to be a vet. I obviously am now a vet. I have a bachelor's degree in veterinary science from the University of Bristol, and I'm a member of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons. I currently am practicing as an equine vet in the southeast of England. Exciting. What about you? I am a veterinary physiotherapist. I hold an integrated master's from Rittle University. I am a member of the National Association of Veterinary Physiotherapists and on the Register of Animal Musculoskeletal Practitioners. I am a self-employed veterinary physiotherapist, so I work in the southeast traveling around, but also work part-time in a small animal orthopedic referral centre as their in-house physio. So the second question on our list, how do our roles as a veterinary surgeon and a physiotherapist differ when it comes to treating horses? How do we work together to provide the best care for our patients? What would you say? So as a physio, I can't do my job without a vet. Legally, I require veterinary consent for the majority of cases. Uh, All cases in dogs, I require veterinary consent. In horses, it's a little bit different depending on whether it's just a general maintenance and there's no diagnosed issue or whether we have uh, pathology that is being treated under veterinary care. But I require veterinary consent to treat any animal. But equally, without a vet diagnosing a problem sometimes my job can be very very difficult so I have to work very closely (laughs) with all vets and that's where we come in so as a vet I think the general public has a better idea of what my job is so I can diagnose conditions and treat them and the forms of diagnosis and treatment are as wide and as varied as you can imagine I think as vets we tend to do a lot less of the kind of work that you do so that manual manipulation of soft tissues not really something that we get extensive training in so that's where we would refer to you guys um moving on what are some of the most common injuries or conditions that you see in horses and how do you go about diagnosing or treating them well i think each condition can probably have its own episode um but I think three conditions that I would commonly come across would be things like arthritis, um, Cushing's or PPID. Um, What else? Laminitis is quite common as well. We see a lot of that as vets. So as a physio, I see a lot of arthritis, kissing spines and tendon or ligament injuries. Okay, uh, next question. Um, How important is preventative care in equine medicine? What are some things that horse owners can do to keep their horses healthy and injury free? Wow, that is a quite big question. I feel like we will cover that in more detail. But as a basic, 
things that you can do, ensuring that you are up to date with vaccinations, which I know is more your remit, up to date with farrier, dentist, saddle fit. Quite often as a physio, I go out and our, the first question I will always ask is, when did you last have the farrier? When was your saddle last checked? And when did you last have the dentist? I think you're right. I think they're all really important sort of parts of your equine MOT check. One of the things that I think people very often struggle to gauge, especially nowadays, is things like the weight of their horse. Yeah. That has such an impact. If your horse is overweight and they're carrying excess weight, that has an impact on, you know, everything that you do. And people don't necessarily factor that in and realise that that can go on to cause other issues. Yeah. Um, so moving on, what are some misconceptions that people have about equine medicine or physiotherapy and how can we work to educate our clients and the general public about those misconceptions? I think they're different jobs. I can't do what you do and you don't do what I do. And I think some some horse owners look at physio and they go, oh, well, it's cheaper than getting the vet out and that'll fix my problem. And they're completely ignoring, possibly not consciously, that that there's a a clinical issue here that needs proper diagnostics and and a proper workup. Equally, I'm not a physio. I can talk to you about rehab plans. I can look at all the papers and I can evaluate them and I can tell you what I think would be best for your horse. But that's not that's not what I do. If you know, if I want to do musculoskeletal rehab, the first person I'm going to call it's probably a physio and go, what do you think with this horse? What do you feel is appropriate? No, I agree. My my biggest, I think the biggest misconception I come across is people will call me and go, oh, so I've seen that you're a vet and a physio. To which it's that slightly awkward conversation of I'm a veterinary physiotherapist, which purely means I'm a physio for animals. Yeah, I have to work alongside the vet. Sorry, my dog just burped. <laughs> that was really disgusting. <laughs> Oh my god, animal! <clears throat> biggest mi- misconception for you, yeah. Katie. So the biggest misconception I come across is when people call me up and say, "Oh, so I've seen on social media that you are a vet and a physio," to which it's that slightly awkward conversation of, "Unfortunately, I'm a veterinary physiotherapist, but all that means is I'm a physiotherapist for animals. I have to have a diagnosis from a vet. I cannot come out and diagnose an issue." I can have an idea of what might be going on, but that doesn't mean I can tell you as an owner. I can refer you back to a vet if a horse is lame, and I can tell you if a horse is lame, but I can't tell you what is causing that lameness. That is purely down to a vet. And do people grasp that quite easily, or does it sometimes get frustrating when you go, no, no, I'm really not a vet. This is not a diagnosis. You can't put it through on your insurance. I do have... I have had that occasionally. The majority of people do grasp it quite quickly. Uh, If they decide then not to come back and use me as a physiotherapist, that is equally, that's fine. There are hundreds of physios out there. Everybody can find their own physio to work with. However, it is so important to understand that as a physiotherapist, you, you cannot diagnose. You can go out and see a horse. You can tell an owner their horse is lame. But apart from that, you then have to wait for the vet to say that they have diagnosed an issue and that they are happy for you to continue treating. I think think another misconception is is possibly the idea that veterinary treatment is better than physio. Um, That, you know, like you say, I can't diagnose, you know, that's that's fine. But it doesn't mean that your 
your profession doesn't have a role and can't perform a really important job. I think we aren't physios. We can't do that side of things. And sort of having that distinction between the two roles means that you can actually appreciate the value of both of them. Yeah, and I think equally referrals come into that. I work quite a lot with people who've contacted me privately, but in my small animal world, I work with referrals. So it would be quite nice to see the veterinary side of things in terms of the equine industry starting to refer to physiotherapists more rather than advising an owner finds a physio, but kind of leaving it to the owner. I think that's the thing. I think my experience of, of equine practice, both since I qualified and when I was a student and I was observing qualified vets, you know, giving this advice and going, oh, I think your horse needs physio. They were very reluctant to sort of go, I think this is the professional you need. We know that we can refer from ramp. I know that it's something that my practice does. We, we've discussed ramp. Yeah. And, you know, that this is a regulated group. Um, I know that you have a CPD requirement that you have to fulfil. Yeah, so I have to do 50 hours over the course of two years. Yeah. So I think, yeah, being able to go, this is something that we know is sort of a controlled group. We know that these are professionals that, you know, keep up with the CPD, that know what they're doing, because it gives us a bit of cover as well. There are so many people out there that claim to be physios that don't necessarily have adequate qualifications because as far as I understand it it's not a protected title is that right no it's not a protected title (coughs) current (coughs) it's not a protected title currently there is changes hopefully coming in the near future to make it a protected title but yes unfortunately anybody can call themselves a physiotherapist so I could go into work tomorrow and tell people that I'm a physio and there is no law stopping me from doing that yes which is the terrifying thing that is scary. Yes. That is scary because being a veterinary surgeon is a protected title. Um, so from the Veterinary Surgeons Act, that very clearly sets out what veterinary surgeons can and can't do um, and who may perform acts of veterinary surgery and, and can call themselves a vet. Um, so I know that if somebody turns around and says they're a vet, it means that they are a veterinary surgeon rather than just, oh, feel a bit like a vet today. <laughs> I do vet stuff. Um, cool. So... What are we on to next? How do you stay up to date on the latest research and advancements in your field? And what role does continuing education play in your work? So for me, I have to complete 50 hours of CPD over two years. That is not just for the NAVP, that is for RAMP as well. So I quite often attend webinars, courses, practical days to enhance my skills, my knowledge. I do short courses as well. Um, so I've recently done my canine hydrotherapy course Uh, so I read journal papers and have to write reflective articles on them as well but equally I sit and have conversations with paraprofessionals regarding topics that are of interest I think that's fair we have so in order to stay a member of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons we have to do 35 hours of CPD a year Um, Because I'm recently graduated, my GDP, which is the Graduate Development Program, makes up a part of that. Um, But I still do other forms of CPD. Some of that I do as part of my work and some of that I do on my own time. So a lot of that is webinars. Love a webinar. Yeah. Um, But you can also do courses. So whether that's picking up new skills or honing the skills that you've already got. In my practice, there's a lot of discussion amongst colleagues whenever there's a new or interesting treatment. Or even if we're just not sure on a case... 
we always discuss things, which is really nice. I know that not every not every professional has has the opportunity to sit in an office with four or five colleagues and talk about cases, but it is a really nice thing to be able to do. No, definitely. I am very fortunate. <clears throat> I have a group of friends who we all qualified at the same time. So we have a group chat. So we quite often discuss uh, clinical cases, obviously GDPR, with all kind of names removed. But, you know, we'll say we have a horse with such and such diagnosis. What would you do? Have you seen this before? Just to get a better understanding, because sometimes you do have to think outside the box with animals. Yeah, I think outside the box is almost every day sometimes. Um, So finally, what can listeners expect from our podcast and what are we hoping to achieve from it? I think our main goal is to bridge that gap that exists between veterinary work and physio work, not just for the professionals, but also for our clients. Um, I think one thing that we're both quite quite keen to discuss as well is some of the more controversial topics in the industry. And we're hoping to get some guests on board to help us with that. Yes, no, definitely. Um, And I think also we would love to hear from you guys. So whether you are sat at home watching this on YouTube or whether you're listening to this on a streaming platform, we would love to hear from you. So please, can you get in touch? We have an Instagram, which is at the Trot Up Podcast or Twitter, which is equally at the Trot Up Podcast. So we will put a poll up. So please get in touch. Let us know whether you've got any questions for us or any topics that you would like us to discuss yeah we're open to suggestions thanks so much for watching listening however you're streaming this uh and we hope to hear from you soon yeah can't wait to take you with us bye goodbye now (laughs) you've been listening to the trot up hosted by me emily bishop and me katie russell produced and mixed by henry brown with sound design by hannah russell we hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it thanks for listening